Well, hello and welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Love to you and yours wherever you are gathered. We have an incredible service planned together, an experience as we reflect and pause and worship and sing. It's really going to be an incredible time. And so I wanted to invite you to go ahead and grab your Advent kit, wherever those are, find them. Grab a candle to have it ready for this service. You'll need them shortly. Well, this time of year, this Advent time, has been one that has hit differently for me this year. I don't know about you, but I I have felt a little more desperate for Advent. I've felt some of the longing and some of the yearning uh, in Advent this year. As we've explored over the last several weeks, looking at hope and peace and joy and love and and reading through those texts, it's just hit in a a completely different way for me. And I, I think there's something about seasons like this, moments like this that interrupt us, that change our rhythms and routines that uh, are, are incredibly disruptive, that remind us of our need, that remind us of what's important, that refocus us in so many ways. I think that's been true for me in this season of Advent. I think it's also been true just as we think about how we gather as a church. So many of the traditions and routines have changed, and yet you and, and we have been the church in this season, and we've met needs, and we've stepped into what God has asked us to do and been kingdom people. You know, one of the ways I've seen you do this in this season is through the Pulpit Rock Mercy Christmas offering. So many of you have given to that. I just want to invite you, if you have not yet had a chance, would you take a minute and just go to pulpitrock.com mercy. Would you watch the podcasts? Would you read the stories of how God is at work all around us, in this city and around the world? There's so many ways that we as kingdom people can come alongside that. There's so many good things that we can do, but these are just a few ways that we feel led as a church to to come alongside what God is doing. And so would you pray and ask him, is this something you would have me and my family be part of as well? I also wanted to remind you on Sunday, December 27th, we're going to have a special time of worship and celebration. And so at 9 o'clock, you can come in person or you can watch online at 9 or 1030. But would you join us next Sunday for our worship and celebration service as well? Well, this is Logan, Brooklyn, and my wife, Janae. We're going to go get ready for the service. Merry Christmas from our home to yours. (laughs) Bye. Hey guys, thanks for um, sitting with me here in the Cleveland's house, uh, around the fire and in the living room, and uh, just to sing a few songs. And hello to everyone at home. We're so glad that you're joining us, uh, and want to invite you to sing with us as well. This um, this this thing that we're doing, where we're kind of sitting around singing a few Christmas carols, um, it takes me back to my childhood. A lot of people don't know that my mom was an opera singer, and I grew up. Uh, kind of in a musical household. And uh, when I first started playing guitar, I was about six years old. I couldn't play very well, but she would make me get the guitar and she would sit on the piano and uh, we would sit there, the four of us, and sing Christmas carols. And um, one of the songs that we sang and I remember learning to play was Do You Hear What I Hear? And it's always been a favorite of mine ever since then. And so uh, I thought we'd sing it, if that's okay. And I want to invite everyone at home uh, to follow along and sing with us. Sit the night. 
Man, my favorite Christmas song has always been O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I think the reason why it stands out to me is, you know, most Christmas songs are really merry and bright, but <laughs> O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is more of a song of like mourning and waiting. Yes. And I think especially this year when we've all been kind of waiting to get out of this pandemic and waiting to get to the mm, next yeah. year, it really uh, connects to me especially. So mm. let's sing it together.
Merry Christmas. He is in the waiting. I'm learning that. We've been learning that together this Advent season as we've been talking about waiting each week with Isaiah as our guide. We've been reminded that we are a waiting people. We've been encouraged that in the waiting, something lasting is formed in us. Isaiah was waiting for the Messiah, but was also waiting with God's people, the Israelites. We don't just wait for. Now, on this side of Jesus' life on earth, we wait with him. We wait with the fullness of God, the sovereign Lord, the Holy Spirit, and the anointed Messiah. And in the fullness of our waiting, we remember that love is always coming for us and has been coming for us since that very first Christmas night when God stepped out of heaven and down onto earth to be with us, which leads us to Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Deep, 
Well, Merry Christmas. It is so good to be with you and to welcome you to my home tonight. I know that we're separated and there's some distance here, but we are still deeply connected because we're part of the family of God. I was listening to Susie read that story, and I I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I will ever get tired of hearing that Christmas story. The part that I especially love or that drew my attention tonight is that moment on the hillside when the shepherds saw this glorious light, and the Bible says it shone all around them. I just love picturing that moment. I mean, here they are in the dead of night, and suddenly this bright and blinding light shines all around them. It probably startled them and hurt their eyes a little bit. Uh, We have to remember, this is a time in history where there was not light like that. I mean, there was fire, but fire's not startling. It's not especially blinding. And so they were seeing something that no one on earth had ever seen before. In the middle of the night, a glorious light suddenly showed up. And they're left kind of to figure out, well, what does this even mean? What does this mean for us? Is this something that's good or bad? And of course they guess, and their first guess is to be afraid. They guess that it's something bad for them. That's so human, isn't it? When we experience something we've never experienced before, our first instinct is anxiety and fear. And that's why this angel steps in in that moment and he says, no, 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 that's the wrong impulse. Do not be afraid. This is good. This is for your good. This is joy. You know, I look at those shepherds and I see ourselves in them. There's some ways that we relate to, I think, what those shepherds experienced in that moment. Uh, We are many years removed, but we still are seeing things that none of us have ever seen before. And we're filled with some of the questions that maybe the shepherds were filled with. What does this mean? Uh, There's questions about our future, questions about the world. Questions about this light of Jesus' birth. Is it still something good for us? Is there still cause for great joy? What does the light of Jesus' birth mean 2,000 years later? I'm wrestling with that. I was reading a book uh, that quoted the famous atheist Carl Sagan. um, And he said this, In all our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It is up to us. And I read that and, you know, my first thought is, well, I, you know, I don't believe that intellectually. I just, I don't have enough blind faith to believe that we're all on our own. I believe what that angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, someone who will save us from ourselves. I believe that. But I felt that quote that Carl Sagan said. There have been moments this year where I felt that despair. I felt abandoned at times this year. I wonder if you have too. I hope not. Uh, there have been times this year where I, I, it, it has seemed to me that God doesn't always take good care of his own, and I've been discouraged by that. I'm aware this year, I think more than ever before in the history of my life, how the atheism of disappointed expectations can take hold in the human heart. You know, I hope that you haven't felt that despair. Um, I hate that feeling. I think that's kind of what the shepherds were feeling. They had this moment where they saw something they've never seen before, and they had this fear of maybe I'm on my own to deal with this. Advent is all about that feeling. 
Advent is about wrestling with the fear that maybe we are all on our own, and it's about the discovery that we, in fact, are not. You know, there was another great uh, atheist. Uh, it was a French poet. His name was Placide Capot. And he actually was commissioned in 1843 to write a Christmas poem for his little French village. And the words that he wrote later were turned in to that song that we just sang, Oh Holy Night, which is my favorite Christmas song. And it's always been fascinating to me that like the best Christmas song we have was written by an atheist. But you know what I think is true? Um, No one's an atheist for purely intellectual reasons, right? I mean, there's always a story. Nobody gives up the hope of a savior because of a fact. There's something that happens. And I wonder if the words that he penned in that song reflected the true hope of his heart before the disappointments of this world crushed and drove out his faith. And there's so many lines that he wrote that are are deeply resonant with me that I just love. My favorite right now is the line that he wrote, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It just grabs me, especially this year. I think long lay the world in sin and error pining. That's a pretty good description of 2020, I think. There's been a lot of pining. My heart's been pining this year, that despair, that frustration, that anxiety. I think that's what the shepherds felt in that instant of fear on that hillside, that suddenly their hearts were pining for help, for a savior. It is that sense that we are all on our own and into that moment of our pining hearts, the angel speaks and says, fear not. This joy will be for all people, peace to those with whom he is pleased. And in that moment, in those words that the angel says, the soul discovers and feels its worth. I love that line because he doesn't say the soul gains its worth because our worth did not begin when Jesus showed up. Our worth to God was always true, but it was revealed when Jesus shows up. The line also doesn't say that our soul becomes worthy because we would say that no one is worthy except for Jesus. None of us are worthy. Worthy means you deserve something and none of us deserve anything from God. We're unworthy. But just because we don't deserve anything from God doesn't mean we're not worth anything to God. In the light of Jesus' birth, it means that for the first time, we who are undeserving, who are pining, who are waiting, we finally get to feel our true value to the God who loves us. I think of it this way. Um, I'm sitting in my home. Uh, we've been in this home for about four and a half years. And uh, when we purchased this house, we did what everybody has to do when they purchase a house. You have to get it appraised. And when you get it appraised, you hire an appraiser. And that person comes in and they look at the home and they basically, they tell you what it's worth. And it's a little bit of a nervous experience because if it's worth, if he appraises it too high or if she appraises it too low, then you have to renegotiate the whole thing. And so what the appraiser does is looks at the home, looks at the homes around it and the appraiser is trying to figure out what is the actual value of this home. And it's somewhat subjective because our homes are really only worth what someone would pay for them. And that's what the appraiser is trying to do. And the appraisal comes in and it reveals just how much the home is actually worth. Now think about that line, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The reason the light 
of Jesus' birth uh, is joy is because our soul's appraisal has come in. You're worth whatever someone would be willing to pay for you. And when those shepherds went and they saw Jesus lying in that manger, they weren't just looking down at a baby. They were looking down at a God who was willing to pay his very life for us. They were looking at the cost of our ransom. They were looking at the value of our undeserving souls and the God who loves us so much. And finally, their souls felt their worth. Jesus' birth, it it simply means this, that you and I are infinitely valuable to God because it reveals there was no price that God would not pay. He would not tolerate us being left on our own. The soul feels its worth. What makes Christmas good news of great joy is that Jesus' birth means this, that when you look into the mirror, You are staring into the face of someone who is worth the very life of God. The soul feels its worth. And it's joy, not just for you, but for all people. Because when you look across your living room at your other family members or your friends, or you look out your door at your neighbor, or you look at your coworkers, or you look at that person who frustrates you and who you just cannot stand right now, you are staring into the soul of someone who is worth the very life of God. The soul feels its worth. You know, this Christmas thing, it is not just the story of a baby being born. This is the story of a God who is making a declaration in as clear and as powerful of a way as he could that you and I and everyone else has infinite value to him. I want our souls to feel their worth tonight. There is nothing, understand, nothing that you could ever do to become more valuable to God because he has already paid everything for you. And not only is that true, but there's nothing that you could ever do to become less valuable to God for that same reason because he has already paid everything for you. You know, my hunch is a lot of us are living in that shepherd's moment. Uh, Maybe there's some fear and some anxiousness, some frustration and discouragement. Maybe you've been despairing that you're all on your own. Into that moment steps the light of Christmas, and it is a light that teaches our hearts to feel what has always been true. That God declares you worthy of his very life. And that means we only have to carry this fear this sickness, this grief, this sin, just a little while longer because he came for us and he is coming for us. So this Christmas Eve uh, in 2020, may we who are unworthy, may we who in our sin and error are pining and waiting, may we fear not for we have found good news that will cause great joy for all people. May we know that we are not alone because on this day in the city of David was born a savior to save us from ourselves. 
So may we glorify God in the highest heaven and may our hearts be at peace because he favors us and may our souls finally feel their worth. Merry Christmas. Finally, in the darkest of night, a glimmer of light appears, a tiny spark, an ember of hope to show us that we're not alone. It grows into a small flame and begins to illuminate things, and we begin to see. In its presence, the darkness flees, and we feel its warmth. Shadows fade, darkness backs away. In its place, the glorious light grows. And now we can clearly see the inherent beauty of weary souls who know their worth, For we are people of extraordinary worth, whose lives by grace are beautiful expressions of God's glory. Our worth is not in ourselves, but in the price that he paid for us. The light of the world reveals the truth about us. So while we celebrate his birth, because it shows us what we're worth, we wait in expectation for the full, radiant overwhelming light to one day wipe out all darkness forever. In the dawning of 2021, we lift our eyes to rest on you. You are our light. In the hope of a new and abundant season coming soon, you are our light. At the close of this season of busy and doing, you are our light. Tonight, we slow, we pause, we hold our breath in anticipation. The waiting is hard, but it's holy. We invite you into the waiting. We believe the fullness of time will happen again. You are our hope. You are our peace. You are our joy. You are our love. You are our light, Jesus. Amen. And now as our season of expectation comes to a close and all these weeks representing the hope and the peace and the love and the joy, we get to light the Christ candle together as a family. Sleep in heavenly peace.
Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar. Yeah. 